paramatta samutti satcha and paramatta satcha so here and now is uh, is eternity you know to realize the deathless and the infinite you know, the, just now you know, timeless and then the seasons change so you get, now it's springtime to summer summer solstice one like that these are the conventional realities they use it's all about something begins and then it ends changing and what is what what is what doesn't begin and end in the present What is the deathless now? It's like self-inquiry, like a conundrum that you carry with you. So that more and more you, you know, you're, you're reminding yourself to uh, not get caught up in just the attachment and belief in the conventional reality that that we that everybody believes is the real world. And the conventional reality is the real world <coughs> so, and so if everybody believes that then it has a lot of impact you know on, on the mind and everybody you know Tony Baird, Blair believes it Queen Elizabeth believes it Archbishop of Canterbury believes it um, most everybody is operating on the conventional in the conventional reality as the ultimate is what is really true so to, to be able to to uh, not be caught in that illusion takes this continuous kind of effort of looking examining paying attention Then you, you break through. You have a uh, the conventional reality is seen from what it is, and it no longer has the uh, you're not you're no longer blindly caught and, and operating from the conventional world. You can still use the conventional world, but now that's not the the uh, deceiving quality of it is no longer there no longer deceived or deluded by it the self is, is a delusion isn't it? the self view and we don't believe in it it's something to, to really question and investigate what is your real self Buddhists believe there isn't any self well, I believe that there isn't any self. I don't have any self. That's not it. To go around believing that you don't have a self. (laughs) 
but what is your you know what is really mine what is really permanent what is really true is like a self self inquiry you're not settling for for a for an answer that's given to you by somebody else but you're using that the conundrum a kind of puzzle um, uh, an unanswerable question that can only be answered through realization not through uh, through uh, words or ideas so you're not trying to you know, we, what, what is uh, what does Confucius say about uh, what is Lao Tzu and Plato and all that? But you know, <laughs> read what you know Spinoza. What did he say about? <laughs> but but I mean, it is fair enough. You can kind of take an interest in the in pages of the past, but. Even you know grasping their realization is not what they meant. It's not you know not not with them. So, so finding out for yourself. Uh, the book that Sister Mandy gave me, Open Secrets, that was this Jewish uh, rabbi kind of uh, letters to his son fascinating disciples kind of uh, getting the disciple to to question and look into experience rather than just take positions religious positions of what the, the theologians say or the priests Contemplate the experience as the uh, from the Axis Mundi position. You know, each one of you, each one of us. You know, you're you are all objects in my mind right now, as far as experience goes. Even on a conventional level, you know, we're all equal uh, human beings, and my name is. Tomato and your name is this. <laughs> and uh, we have views about each other and, and ideals about society. But in terms of direct experience right now, what's happening? You know, but what is it? You're in my field of vision. That's my mind, isn't it? That's, that's the, I can't see my. I can see. You know, I can see my hand, and I can see myself sitting here. You can see me, but I can't. 
But I'm <laughs> I can see you, but you can't see yourself. <laughs> and that's like the axis moon is the point. Center point. And then the personality view comes in and says, Well, I'm just, you know, an ordinary person. Born in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. My mother was a school teacher, my father was a plumber. And I was just an ordinary guy, really, you know. I'm certainly don't feel like access Monday of the universe. But feeling I'm just an ordinary guy when all that is is like that's that's the personality view, you know. Be thinking of yourself in any way is it's not this not not to believe that you you are the axis wounded, then that's ridiculous. But but that in terms of experience, that's what we're actually experiencing. And it is the, the the universe impinges on us. You know, the body's born, and then then experience is always coming at us in some form. You know, like the temperature of the room or the wind blowing or hunger or or thirst and then uh, things pass in front of our eyes you know hearing smell touch we get conditioned with our cultural social attitudes we become this and that we identify with the with the different uh, conditions that, that we get and we build up, we build ourselves into a personality uh, that we that tends to uh, be felt, which is basically inadequate, because that's not what you really are. You're not that. You're not limited by by what you tend to limit yourself with. That's the illusion of being a personality. You're always bound into kind of conditions that aren't really true, but you you're kind of subscribing to it and believing in it. So then you tend to experience everything through these biases and and so everything that happens is happening to me and it's not, you know, something bad passes in front of your vision. Why does life have to be bad to me like this? Why can't only pleasurable, beautiful things come in to my field of vision? Why does it have to be harsh noise, why can't it just be beautiful sounds that enter my ears and why can't I just have, why can't everything be fair in a society and everybody loving and treated properly equal and compassionate and, and uh, why does it have to be like this and earthquakes and hurricanes and then uh, that's the, the personality view, the self view endlessly taking it on a, on, you know, this is a personal kind of a experience. And then in, in terms of Dhamma, we're looking at it now in terms of the way it is. This is experiences like this. Pleasure, pain, uh, beauty, ugliness, and all that are part of experience. You know, everybody experiences that kind of 
how much control can you have over it? And you think to, to spend your life just trying to control everything so you only have pleasure because you're building, you're doing it out of ignorance and fear rather than out of wisdom. And the inevitable forces of old age, sickness, and death are happening too. It's not gonna, you know, face the fact of old age, physical degeneration, disease. Death, separation, loss. It's interesting in that book about describing evil. The word that that always uh, kind of interested me because uh, there's one of the big problems I had with Christianity was I couldn't figure out why if God created everything, why why there was evil. Yeah, why? So I asked, did God create evil? And they said, no, no, no. I said, God created everything. Yes, yes. Well, then why is there evil? <laughs> well, he didn't create it. <laughs> Nobody knew. <laughs> they say, we, 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 we create evil, but God doesn't. And then this book is evil is you know that like he puts old age sickness death in the experience of natural evil or the the side of life the downside of life the, the uh, like that because we do on this planet even they have earthquakes and and hurricanes and, and tidal waves and, and all these kind of droughts and famines and things like this that are, you know, that uh, that you can't blame on anybody. You know, they just happen naturally. Like old age, sickness and death are natural. So then, the Buddha pointed to that, that this this is natural evil. This uh, This is the dark side or the degenerating, the rotting, the stinking, the, the ugly side of life as experience. And, uh, but then, then uh, human beings, what can we, you know, we have to, we, we learn from this, but then we, then with morality and spiritual uh, aspiration, we, we determine not to, to commit evil acts, like intentional acts of harming or or deceiving, lying, uh, exploiting, misusing the environment. So then, this is like the dukkha, the sabhava dukkha, the natural dukkha that we have in terms of the Buddhist word dukkha is the natural state where old age, sickness, death happens, natural catastrophe, um, uh, you know the decay of things, and, the, and you know the, the uh, this dark side of experience is important to us in terms of understanding it, rather than just trying to uh, 
denied or not lost or get rid of it. So it's the power dukkha, and then in the, in the book called the figures, it's like natural evil. Uh, these are, this is just the way this, this realm operates, which is a natural state. And we, we determine not to intentionally do evil things. So like Sila, isn't it? The five precepts that is, is the uh, determination to not use your body or speech or harming things or deceiving or exploiting. So then, then in terms of how they use God in this book, it's like God is everything, so evil included. Of course, my mother, I never had a problem with that. <laughs> she couldn't bear the thing of God is, uh, it, it, because her mind very, was very you know, had to see God only as good they in Hinduism isn't it is the evil like Mother Kali that's a really that's a problematic vision for most western people isn't it these uh, pictures of Mother Kali in his horrendous tag with his tongue sticking out and a necklace of skulls. See, see this, she's destructive and uh, hideous female, the, the, the hag, the, the witch, the, the bitch, <laughs> the, the, the mother that gives birth and then eats her own, what she gives birth to. She gives his brother and she takes his back and she consumes her own children. You know, that, that's really evil in terms of uh, dualistic Western Christian thinking. But in terms of, uh, of a symbol of the way things are, it's quite bad. It's quite a powerful one. I thought you can relate to it in terms of, of the way things are, of time, the time-bound condition about it like that. The Westerners, you know, the Hindus are worshipping a demon. You know. That the Kali cults are demonic. Which they can be. You can misuse symbols as a problem. In terms of reflection, I mean, really, time to put the the good and the bad and the the, the uh, uh, dualism of the conditioned realm into perspective, rather than just trying to to divide everything and and suppress the, the dark side and to hold on to the doing good if I'm doing good you know you're, you're embracing the whole thing with your mind you're not always going to feel good and have beautiful thoughts and, and 
have you know lovely visions and and be happy. That so much of our experience is quite can be quite ugly, an ugly thing in your mind, and dark moods and and gross uh, desires. But in terms of of uh, um, mindfulness, and the whole thing is seeing in terms of what it is. All conditions are impermanent. Sometimes by three of It's interesting at this time where people talk a lot about the dark side. And, uh, this never, you know, I was always interested in the dark side. You know, I've always found a fascination for evil. Uh, evil that always fascinated me. <coughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so I've also had, you know, evil in my own mind fascinated me. And uh, what, what I found most difficult in the spiritual life is dealing not with evil, but with, with things like boredom and restlessness, dullness, passion, hatred is quite exciting, indignation. But there's so much resistance to boredom and this bleakness kind of despair meaninglessness dreariness so that because uh, I found that something I always resisted didn't you know, just try to to deny or push away but recognize in this life a lot of it is you know the, the boringness of it the bleakness the tediousness the, <coughs> the uh, the dullness, the, the pettiness that can come up in the mind in a community like this, how petty some of one's feelings can be. It's really selfish and petty and stupid. And that, but that also is embraced in the moment. The condition arising ceasing. So that this uh, Mindfulness is the is, is the is the gate to the deathless. Aparudhade sangamatasatala, the gates to the deathless are open. Yesodavanta, those who pay attention, they're tougher than whatever you're experiencing now. It's what it is, it's like this. And as you let go, kind of resist and and, and adjust and manipulate control and then you then you begin to recognize uh, or realize the difference and that gate is through this mind through, through paying attention to being awake even to sleepiness being awake to to restlessness to stupidity to, uh, to deep dreariness of the mind. A little dreariness. I remember going through a stage in the 
uh, in my library, everything seems so dreary. Just, um, you know, living in Northeast Thailand, it's kind of dreary there. Dreary. It's hot season, and it feels so lethargic and black lady dreariness. Wake up and think another dreary day. <laughs> It looks bleak, but then as you, uh, then as, you know, you want to make life interesting and uh, lively here and, and uh, swinging and groovy. And then as you, you see, you know, and you try to do that, you can only kind of, you know, kind of wind yourself up sometimes and then it all collapses. <laughs> <laughs> so, then the contemplation of this bleakness. And, uh, I found that helpful, like here in, we're uh, coming to England, the, the bleakness of the winter time. <coughs> Remember, looking at uh, the first time, I thought, you know, there's no leaves on the trees, and when you come in, you go through a countryside, and all the trees are bare and bleak, and sometimes the skies are gray and it's cold. Really dreary. And then I, I said, well, what, well, why not, why not, what, why not, rather than just uh, get caught in, in being averse to it. What is it really like to experience that? You know, that to really appreciate the, the knots on the trees, the, the colors of the trees, of the trees when the leaves are gone. Start looking at the trunks and you see all these kind of subtle colors there. Beautiful colors in the subtle, not that kind of like springtime, of the colors of red and yellow. Uh, outstanding, but just the, the, the subdued quality of winter. And that, and so you start contemplating it in terms of experience. So you begin to see it that, you know, instead of just reacting, getting caught in, and just, uh, you know, kind of going along with a fixed view you have about it, you can always kind of look at it in a different way. <coughs> And that's why I like this you know, embracing, uh, embracing this suffering or this bleakness. Because embracing you know, is like a voluntary act, isn't it? A loving act. If you embrace somebody, you've got to embrace the whole person. You're not just embracing the part of life. <laughs> <laughs> when you embrace somebody, you take on the whole, whole being. <laughs> well then, uh, where where they when I the idea of embracing, having taken on the, all of it, you know, the good, the pleasant, the painful part together. That's an attitude of just selecting. I like this, but don't like that. To embracing the whole, which means you the good and the evil. Good and evil. 
and that changes your relationship to life and once you embrace then you're, you're relating to it in the present and for what it is rather than, than being picky and fussy and critical and this and that, and that. I like this I want this but I don't want that and you're, you're always uh, you know, you're, you're always in this state of uh, trying to control everything and there can create these endless tensions all the time there's always this threat of what you don't like coming to you. you know, something bad happening to me. There's always that. You know, it's kind of trying to push it away and hold on to this. But this sense of embracing is what you holding sickness there, grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish, loss of the loved, health. Help, uh, sickness, good, uh, praise and blame, the whole lot. And then you, and that very act of embracing is like it's, it's coming, you know, not, we're not being pushed into a corner, we have to do it, you just, you know, it's, it's an act of love and compassion rather than just uh, resigning yourself to. Uh, in a, in a negative way to the experience of life and you're actually moving toward it and, and in this center of that movie <coughs> opening wide the life and learning and understanding because that's what this human state is all about isn't it? what other purpose does it have? we need to learn these things we can't have our time to learn whether we do it or not I mean that with a teaching like the Buddha's you certainly you can't say that you've not you haven't had the opportunity <laughs> some people have never heard the Buddha's teaching they don't, they've never had but all of us have had have this opportunity sharing on and this, this word sharing wonders 2,000 years ago 
then you then you then somebody gives you a petrified uh, woolly mammoth tooth that's seventy uh, seventy thousand years old. In the museum, there's a petrified woolly mammoth tooth that's seventy five thousand years old. Something like that. Very old. And there's dinosaurs died out about 80 million years ago. 80 million years ago. Why would he create anything like a dinosaur? 